Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the reopening of a UFO crash investigation from 1945. That's correct. A reopening of a 1945 UFO crash investigation. And what's really important is that this is a Pentagon crash investigation. Now, this article comes to us from DailyMail.com. The title says, Exclusive, Pentagon ordered to reinvestigate the 1945 crash of mysterious avocado-shaped UFO dubbed the Roswell before the Roswell, as expert reveals eyewitness accounts of the encounter. It goes on, it says, Last week, President Biden signed a new military spending bill Amended to the amended to incorporate a UFO case from 1945. Now think about it, that's a big omnibus spending bill they're talking about. Now this must be important because somebody has amended this to order the military to investigate this case from 1945. The sighting involved a crash in New Mexico, about a hundred miles from Waswell. Jack Ballet, a former contractor for the government's UFO office, wrote a book about the case and described it to DailyMail.com. Ballet was the inspiration for Francois Truffaut's character in Close Encounters. Of course, we know Jacques Ballet is, is just a giant in the UFO uh, community. It says the government's UFO office has been ordered to reinvestigate an alleged 1945 crash of a strange object in New Mexico, dubbed the Roswell before Roswell. A new military spending bill signed into the law by President Biden last week was specifically amended to incorporate the intriguing case into an historic review of UFO incidents to be conducted by the Department of Defense. Jacques Vallée, a former contractor for the government's UFO office and the co-author of a book on the 1945 case, gave an exclusive interview to AMA.com about it. <clears throat> Valet, a renowned scientist and UFO investigator, was the inspiration for the French scientist character in Steven, Bill, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, played by Francois Truffaut. In his interview, he described the alleged 1945 UFO crash of an avocado-shaped craft on the edge of the atomic bomb testing center near an near San Antonio, New Mexico, about 100 miles from the infamous Roswell crash two years later. So it seems like, just like then, just like now, these things are definitely interested in our nuclear weapons technology. The National Defense Authorization Act, which passed Congress this month, includes a section requiring the Department of Defense's All-Domain Anomaly Research Office to review and prepare a report on all previous government investigations of UFOs dating back to 1945. Of course, the problem is that with this is that you can order the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies to do reports all day long. But if you don't exercise the power and the authority to force them to do the right thing 
we're just going to end up with more pages of blacked out reports. <clears throat> the bill's text previously only went back to 1947, but a late amendment changed it to 45. I was not involved in the drafting of the legislation, but several of my C of my DC friends were, and they got the and they got the date of the investigation pushed back to 1945. Valley Daily Several of the congressmen involved have the book that Peola Harris and I wrote about our research at the alleged crash at the alleged crash crash site called Trinity. Valet, an Italian UFO journalist, Harris's 1921, excuse me, Harris's 2021 book, Trinity, the Best Kept Secret, was re-released this year with new information and is mainly based around the testimony of three witnesses, a B-52 bomber pilot and two young sons of a rancher on whose land the UFO supposedly crashed. Now this shows us a couple things. It shows us the power of pop culture. And when these UFO stories can be uh, documented by uh, somebody with uh, such a stellar, stellar reputation as Jacques Vallée, and this gets into mainstream culture, into pop culture, it actually becomes uh, so big that the politicians pick up on it. So that's one, one good thing. And the second thing is the importance of eyewitness testimony. Now, even though this has happened, what now, um, 75 years ago and better, the eyewitness testimony are still what this investigation is, is going to hinge on. That's why it's so important when you see something, say something. When you see one of these UFOs, report it. Report it somewhere online, somewhere where it can be documented, and somewhere where your account, your testimony can be, you know, uh, documented and saved for, in order for others to do investigations down the road. It has some pictures here which are pretty interesting. And then it goes on, it says, In August 1945, there was a crash of an autocavo of an avocado-shaped craft on the edge of the, of the atomic bomb testing site near San Antonio, New Mexico. Material recovered from the crash is pictured. The two researchers interviewed the family of Lieutenant Colonel William Brotherly, who said he revealed in the years before the incident that he was sent out to survey the crash site on August 16, 1945. The first witness was a bomber pilot who was coming in for a landing at Alamogordo, the neighboring airbase, ValetTolDaily.com. He was asked by the controllers to look at a communication tower that had lost signal. He told the story to his family. His son gave us the, gave us the recollection of what his father had described. Flying over, he saw the tower was bent as if it had been hit by something very hard. And then he saw in the vegetation some distance away a large egg-shaped object. And there were two little kids that he called little Indians on their horses next to the object. Valet says those kids were Jose Padilla, 9, and Rima Baca, 7. Padala, now 86, became a highway patrol officer for 32 years, and Baca, who died in 2013, became a U.S. Marine and later a senior staffer for Washington Governor Dixie Lee Ray. So here you have, clear back in 1945, these two, kid, these two children, eyewitnesses to the crash, and luck would have it, both of these fellows ended up to be what appears to be 
pretty much upstanding, uh, exemplar citizens. And one guy's a law enforcement for 32 years. The other guy's a Marine, uh, a staffer, a senior staffer to the governor. So these are what you call reliable witnesses. They kept their story secret for more than 50 years. At last... <clears throat> At last deciding to come forward in 2003 in an interview with a journalist from their hometown. It says, Interviews with Valet and Harris decades after the crash saw them describe stumbling across the wreckage of a craft while looking for a lost cow on Padilla's father's ranch by the Rio Grande on August 16, 1945. We heard this sound and the ground shook, Baca said in one interview. We saw smoke coming from maybe a couple of canyons down. We worked our way down the ridge. There was a gouge in the earth as long as a football field and a circular object at the end of it. It was the color of the old pot my mother was always trying to shine up. A dull, metallic color. He said he could feel the heat from the crash through the soles of your shoes. Baca said he picked up a piece of foil-like metal that sprung back to its original shape when folded. Now see, that sounds just like what happened in Roswell. It says, strange-looking creatures were moving around inside, he added. They looked under stress. They moved fast, as if they were able to wheel themselves from one position to another in an instant. They were shadowy and expressionless, but definitely living beings. Imagine that as if they were able to wheel themselves from one position to another. It's all like it's, it's like they were traveling at the speed of light within this craft. This is something that we hear repeatedly in these in these encounters. And it's like they're in their own environment, and inside that environment, uh, their uh, laws of physics aren't the same as our laws of physics. It says they had big, bulgy eyes, four foot tall, and they were real thin, needle-thin arms. Their heads looked like a... Campamucha, praying manis. They seemed like us. They seemed like us children, not dangerous, but we were scared and exhausted. The boys fled home on their horses and told Padilla's father what they had seen. Faustina Padilla told them to told them it probably belonged to the belonged to the army and to ignore it. But they persuaded him to check out the site two days later with state policeman Eddie Apodaca. Baca and Padilla said the craft was still there but the debris was gone. The object covered with dirt, and the ground appeared to have been raked. That tells me that the army had probably beat him to it, was quite busy uh, cleaning up the scene. The next day, an army sergeant named Avila showed up at the ranch, asking Faustina if they could cut out his fence, put in a gate, and grade a road to the crash site for a tractor-trailer, Baca said. We have one of our experimental weather balloons that inadvertently fell on your property, Bach, I remember the sergeant saying. That's quite a balloon. Over the following week, the two boys snuck out to the site and used binoculars to spy on a unit of army officers who stood guard, loaded the 25 by 14 foot, roughly 5 ton, avocado-shaped object onto a flatbed truck and covered it up with blue tarpaulins, they told Harris. There was no sign of the creatures they claimed they saw earlier. On the last day, the boys plucked up the courage to sneak up and peek under the tarp while the young board soldiers were at lunch. Jose said, I think you're going to take it. I think they're going to take it tonight. I said, Yeah. How about a souvenir? Baca told Harris. Jose pulls out part of the top off, 
exposing the gash on the side of the craft. While I hold the tarp open, Jose climbs into the gash. They describe... Boy, these sound like a couple characters, don't they? They describe ridges inside every few feet, silvery-colored strands like angel-held hair decorations, and a two-and-a-half-foot metal panel attached to the rear wall with pins. No seats or anything, Baca said. It must have been cleaned out, or maybe there weren't any. Couldn't see any instruments, like gauges, clocks, steering wheel, brake pedals, nothing like that. The, pl the plucky kids grabbed a crowbar from the tractor, used it to rip the large panel off the wall, and scurried off. They said they hid the metal under the floorboards of a nearby building and kept quiet about the case, fearing retribution by the army against their families, especially after officers came to search Plastino's house. Oh, my goodness. He goes on, it says, Baca and Padilla eventually moved away and lost contact until 2002 when Baca reconnected with his old friend via genealogy search. It was then they decided to tell their story. In 2015, Valet had a spectroscopy analysis performed on the metal panel they recovered from the wreckage. It points to a mundane, man-made origin. Almost makes you wonder if maybe someone didn't find that panel and replace it with something else. The metal is aluminum, primarily alloyed to copper and silicon. The report by Frontier Analysis said a mix often used for engine crankcases, gas and oil tanks, engine oil pans, typewriter frames, and engine parts. The isotopic ratios for the metals in the panel are within the range found on Earth. The foil-like metal that Baca claimed he picked up has been lost after he allegedly used it to fix a leaking pipe on the ranch as a boy. While other researchers have abandoned the case due to the lack of results and paper trail, Valet says it did not diminish the mystery for him. We have yet to ask what an ordinary human fragment of some low-tech aluminum gadget was doing aboard a fantastic craft dropping from the sky in the middle of the storm, shattering the Marconi Tower of the White Sands Missile Range as, as its crew of diminutive insectoids skidded wildly through the cabin, he wrote in his book. You can't, you can't nail an aluminum bracket to the interior wall of a weather balloon. No matter how sophisticated, every nine-year-old kid in New Mexico knows that. Valet, who worked as a contractor for a previous reincarnation of the government's UFO office, the Advanced Aerospace Weapons Systems Application Program, told DailyMail.com he is hopeful that a review of the Trinity-alleged crash by the new UFO office will turn up further evidence. Quote, it will reopen the research on a more historically accurate and significant timescale, I said. And the data scientists believe he knows, and the data scientists believes he knows where AARO investigators should go looking. The Department of Energy, of course, they would have been in charge of the atomic research there. Ramabaka insists Dixie Lee Ray, Ramabaka, uh, Rim, Baca, I'm sorry, assisted Dixie Lee Ray in winning the election as governor of Washington in 1976. She had been chair of the Atomic Energy Commission. From 73 to 75, he said. She showed Remy when he was helping her in the campaign a record of the recovery of the craft. It was secret. She, she did not leave it with him, but she indicated there was a record in the files of the Atomic Energy Commission. Intriguingly, the new defense budget legislation signed into law last week also includes a whistleblower program for, for reporting deep black UFO programs to Congress. 
An amendment to the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act gives protections to any whistleblowers coming forward to Congress in classified briefings to disclose any previously hidden programs or unidentified anomalous phenomena involving material retrieval, material analysis, and even reverse engineering and development or operational testing. It sounds to me like you can almost see like an internal struggle for the, uh, for the information going on here between Congress, our, our elected congressional people, and the deep state. And there are you know, dozens of just this labyrinth of, of uh, departments and committees and you know, investigative bodies. So you have a somewhat transparent uh, group of people, people on one hand are politicians, and then you just have this black hole on the other, struggling for this knowledge. Former UFO office director Louis Elizondo, man, I don't know why they got to, I don't know why they have to quote this guy all the time. They could just pick some random person off the street. Says this language is truly revolutionary in terms of ensuring the American people can finally get to the bottom of a decades-old mystery. So they quote Louis Elizondo. Former head of ATIP, Louis Elizondo, former deep stater. And I don't think anyone's a former deep stater. I said it before. Tom DeLong said in an interview that Louis Elizondo has to go into the Department of Defense or Intelligence or wherever the heck he worked at, and periodically he's subjected to polygraph tests to make sure that he hasn't released anything that he's not supposed to. Doesn't sound retired to me. When you take these jobs, you swear an oath of secrecy. You don't break that oath. I guess you could, and you could spend the rest of your natural life in an underground prison somewhere, or worse. So why they have to quote Louis? Nothing against Louis, nothing personal, but they need to find somebody. I would have much rather had them, uh, had them quote, uh, you know, one of the senators involved in this, uh, the senator from Florida, um, uh, anybody, but a former deep stater, former deep. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Christopher Mellon. This is another one. He's involved with Tom DeLong and all these guys. So they're, they're going to... It's just like boom, boom, boom. Here's your sources. Deep State 1, Deep State 2, Deep State 3. Christopher Mellon added that the new laws mean AARO is no longer a toothless organization and now has personal authority, resources, and strong support from Congress. So I wonder if that means that people from the Pentagon won't have to meet other people from the Pentagon to pass them... Uh, brown paper bags containing video clips of UFOs anymore. That'd be nice. Another NDAA amendment requires the UFO office to compile a written report detailing the historical record of the United States government relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena going back to January 1st of 1945. Their review will include successful or unsuccessful efforts to identify and track unidentified anomalous phenomena and any efforts to obfuscate, manipulate public opinion, hide, or otherwise provide incorrect, unclassified, or classified information. Somebody's really struggling to get the truth here, and I commend them for that. But my uh, my hopes for this happening are actually quite low. But I think it's important because it does show that there is a struggle for uh, this knowledge, this information that surrounds the UFO phenomena, 
Clearly, there's a struggle between uh, the actors and the intelligence community and the Defense Department on one side and our elected officials on the other side. But this is a very fascinating case. I believe it was a UFO crash, Jacques Vallée. Uh, he's just top shelf. And it, it's, it's, it's a case worth uh, investigating again if there is one. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.